and it is knockout round time at the World Cup. And guess who's in the knockout rounds? You guessed it. U.S. men's national team. Their 1-0 win over Iran has put them through to the round of 16 and a showdown with the Netherlands. And it wasn't easy. It was a, it was a nail-biter. It was heart attack-inducing. But they did it. The Americans did it. This young team, youngest starting lineup in the World Cup, gets through undefeated five points. And now, arguably their toughest test to date against the Netherlands, the Dutch national team, star-studded squad, also with some young players who are stars coming into their own. We'll get into matchups. We'll get into things to watch. Uh, we'll have a preview episode before the match. This is not the preview episode. We still have to talk about Iran. Uh, apologies for not getting the episode out uh, Episode out on Wednesday. I know that was the plan, but plans change here in Qatar. Especially if you're Mexico. <laughs> but uh, I digress. So much to get into. And we'll start with that Iran game. So much into that game, so so many subplots, the political undertones, the drama, the drama at Altumama. I, I wish I would have come up with that one before the match. That was it. That was the perfect headline right there. Drama at Altumama. That's the name of the stadium, by the way. If you have no idea what the heck I'm talking about, uh, and the U.S. did it one zero, and Christian Pulisic putting his body on the line and. Putting is is <laughs> putting the family jewels on the line uh, for the game-winning goal, and uh, you know, thankfully, he seems to be okay. I'm, I'm taking it day by day right now, and I will do everything in my power to to you know, work with this medical team and uh, make sure that I can I can play. It's just good to see that he seems to be okay, and he should be good to go because you need Pulisic if you're going to have a chance to beat the Dutch. But we'll get into that first. We have to get into this Iran game. So it, it, it started off well. It started off uh, comfortably. The U.S. dominated the first half. They did what they wanted. Iran was a step slow. They didn't. They, the quality, the the difference in quality was pretty clear. And you got to give this young U.S. team some credit because for everything riding on that, for all the pressure surrounding that game, they came out like they could, didn't have a care in the world. They just played. They knocked it around. And look, it was always going to be tough to break down Iran because, you know, Iran basically needed a draw to get through. I know Wales with a win could have shaken things up, but I don't think anyone expected Wales to beat England, right? So Iran went into it. Everyone expected it. Iran in a defensive setup, and that's what it was. They, they came out defensively, it really bunkered in. And it was going to take some patience. It was going to take some skill. And it was going to take some bravery for the U.S. to crash in there and find a goal, and they did. Christian Pulisic, from a perfect header cross from Serginho Dest, set up by Weston McKinney, who found Dest on the wing. 
And uh, Pulisic finishes. He obviously catches a knee to the lower abdomen. And, uh, you know, he had, he had to come out at halftime. And at the time, it was like, uh-oh, like, hopefully he's okay. Uh, and then the second half was a struggle fest. 45 minutes plus nine minutes of stoppage time ended up being 10 minutes of stoppage time, basically. And Iran, they threw everything at the Americans. They threw everything but the kitchen sink. And the U.S. held, held up. It held up. And you got to give credit to this U.S. defense. I mean, one goal allowed in three matches, no, none in the run of play. The one goal allowed was a penalty, Gareth Bale's penalty in the Wales match. And I don't think people, like, as much as, you know, it's there have been some defensive battles in this World Cup, one goal allowed in three matches is very impressive. And, and coming from a defense that, if you recall, it seems like so long ago, but if you recall before the tournament began, the concern was about the U.S. defense. And would it be good enough? If anything, people thought, oh, the attack is where it's at. You know, we got the midfield, you got you got the attackers, you got Pulisic, you got Wea, you got Giorena. You'll get the goals, but but can you stop anybody? That's really That was the question coming into this thing. No one knew who the center backs were going to be. Uh, you know, is it Aaron Long? <laughs> is it Carter Vickers? Tim Ream, uh, Tim, Ream, Tim Ream went from not many people would have had him on the roster two months ago to now he has been the best center back in this tournament for the U.S. I mean, how about that? Who saw that coming? But credit to him. And how about Cameron Carter Vickers? Uh, we're going we're gonna to go run down the list because there were several outstanding performances. But um, before we even get into that, let's talk about the goal because the goal was excellent. McKinney to Dest to Pulisic. And it was, it was, it was, it was going to take a, a, a team effort, some real quality to break it around down. And then that's what it was and that's what it came. And that's where it came. And credit to those three for creating that special moment it was a good goal a good team goal we we worked on that we knew that uh they would struggle with uh diagonal balls behind the back line and that's something we we were working on uh, in the game before and it's good uh good to see that it that it helped out and that we executed it uh to plan um but yeah as far as the goal uh, i'm sure you guys saw it so i mean it was, it was a good goal christian makes those run like that's what he does that's the special quality he has soon as the ball is wide he goes in with with intensity into the penalty box and good things happen then you score goals you know we've seen at chelsea scoring a number of goals same type of runs he crashes the box and makes it really difficult to, for defenders with his change of pace now obviously after they score the goal you get into the second half and and it, it i had to say it's interesting to see some of the reactions to the way the second half played out and and there's this idea that the U.S. chose to be on the back foot and chose to f- absorb pressure. And I know you can look at the substitutions and say, "Ah, oh, well, you know, the it, it, the, the U.S. played for the one zero, and it was they were too defensive because basically you're supposed to attack and attack and attack." And I mean, I, f- I feel like we say this all the time. This isn't a new thing that when you have that lead, and in basically an elimination game. The other team is throwing everything at you. You're going to get pinned back. I mean, this happens in every league, in every competition. This was not, this isn't, I don't understand why people act like this is some rare thing. This is what happens, especially in tournament play. You get that goal. You obviously look for a second, and the U.S. came close. Tim Way was inches away from a second goal, but it was ruled offside. Once you get in that second half, and Iran starts putting more and just throwing more and more numbers at you, 
you know, yes, it would be great if you could catch them on a counter. It would be great if you could get that second goal. But at the end of the day, they had to hold on. And this idea that it's it was a strategic decision. It wasn't a strategic decision. That's how the game plays out. And also fatigue kicks in for a team that has nine players who started all three group matches. And you saw it. You saw it as the second half went on. They were tired. This U.S. team was tired, and but they kept fighting. They kept, you know, meeting the challenge and, uh, you know, doing what they had to do to hold on to that lead. And, and I just thought it was interesting how much, how much complaining there was after what was a really, really impressive victory. As you've seen in this competition, uh, this, this year especially, it's not, it's not easy to win any game. Um, so, no, we have to really be proud of ourselves to have been able to achieve this in, in such a tough group. And, um, yeah, we've got to enjoy the moment. And then, obviously, there's such a quick turnaround, so we have to think about the next game soon. That's football. Uh, again, you have to suffer throughout games. Uh, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Um, they have quality uh, on the ball. When you give them time and space, obviously, they're going to be able to do something. But, you know, how, how our defense played in that game was, was amazing. To keep a zero on the sheet is all that matters. So they can have as much possession as they want. As long as we keep a zero on, on the sheet, it doesn't matter. And, of course, that's Tyler Adams, who, uh, who for me, was, was the man of the match and just put in another unbelievable performance. And, and I'd argue you could say it might have been his best performance because certainly it was his most well-rounded performance because he was, mo- he was more involved in the attack he, he was more involved obviously with Iran sitting back in the in the first half he he was able to kind of have that time to look to probe with passes long-range passes I believe he was nine of ten on his long passes and uh you know he had a couple couple of passes there that were really you know quality passes into the attack and it just showed you his overall game and I mean, if, we, if we're doing a group stage best 11 for the entire tournament, I mean, Tyler Adams, I think, is on it. You have to put Tyler Adams on it. And I know, obviously, we're biased here, but the, the, round, the group stage that, that he just put together is an all-time group stage performance by an American player, without a doubt. He, he makes everyone's job a little bit easier um, with the amount of ground he covers, his, his energy, his tenacity, his, his work rate. Um, you know, it's just incredible uh, the, what, what he does on a, on a football pitch. And, um, you know, as as he goes, the team goes, um, and and you can see that um, you know fiery character, um, and and it's you know it's a pleasure to to play behind him and, and play with him. Now, after the match, I, I was lucky enough to to ask Berhalter a couple of questions. Uh, the, the particularly the two the two that I, I kind of had to ask him about one was the the fact that nine players had started all three group stage matches and and for the most part looked pretty good um, considering that workload. I was very curious about that and, and how they've been able to manage that. And I also had to ask him about Cameron Carter-Vickers, who was a bit of a surprise starter. He started in place of Walker Zimmerman and had an outstanding performance. Craig, you started nine guys in all three matches, and they didn't look tired tonight. What's the secret to that? How, how are they still having this much energy, considering that nine guys have started three matches? And Carter-Vickers was knocking guys down left and right. They couldn't deal with him. Would you think of it? Give more insight into, into him tonight. Yeah, no, I thought Cam was great. Um, you know, we, it's, it's difficult after, you know, getting a shutout against England to take Walker out. And it was a difficult conversation with Walker. And then the rationale was, you know, Cam does this. We, we expected Iran to be in a low block, and Cam does this every single week with Celtic. And we thought that was just a very logical decision. He's used to defending space behind him, he's also used to, used to building up against a compact defense. So, to me, that was a good fit, and, and he played really well. Um, in terms of, you know, the fatigue, 
of the group. I thought we did look a little tired towards the end of the game. It was hard to complete the actions for some of the guys. But what I would say is our, our sports sports science department um, is you know is amazing. And um, you know between our physios and our sports science and our recovery lab that we have, you know the guys are, are really diligent doing it, and that's helping to turn them around. Now, now you got to give Cameron Carter Vickers some credit. I mean, you make your World Cup debut as a starter in a must-win game, and he handled it like it was just another walk in the park for this guy. And credit to him. He's, he's, he's relatively young. He's obviously had a ton of, of experience, uh, all the loans that he went on uh, for, with Tottenham getting all the games in the league championship, and now he's in Scotland, and he's getting Champions League experience. He won a title in Scotland. He's playing old firm derbies, and in, no, in that high-pressure situation, as, as anyone who knows the old firm. So he's really, really developed as a player, and it's really come together for him over the past year, year and a half, uh, where he's become such an integral part of what Celtic is doing. And, and you know, he was a best 11 caliber defender in the Scottish League. Uh, some you know even got some shouts for MVP last last season. That's how good he was for Celtic defensively, and just his just how he's been able to round his game out. It, it's it's what really prepared him for this this opportunity, and he took full advantage of it. And you have to you have to give Berhalter some credit because you know it would be easy to say you know what the defense is playing so well. Why would I mess with it? Why would I change anything? Why would I do anything to potentially mess? with the formula to mess with the chemistry and Carter Vickers to his credit he steps in there and he and it doesn't skip a beat throughout the tournament you know the, the back four and, and Tyler in front of him have done an outstanding job um, you know I think you're a bit unlucky to concede against Wells and then obviously the clean sheet against England I think everyone performs well um, you know I, for me all I can do is just be ready and, and, and when I'm called upon try and perform now, the, the, there were obviously so many positives across the board. I, Carter Vickers, you have Eunice Musa played well. Serginio Dest, uh, for me, I mean, he, he he had a really good game against England, I thought. And to follow that up with, an for me, an even better performance against Iran um, from his attacking contributions. Obviously, he had the assist on the winner. So right there, game-winning assist, boom. But he just was just more dangerous in the attack. And also defensively, he was buzzing around. And sometimes he can be a little aloof. With his defending, he could be a little lax, but he was locked in. And I got to think, I have to think, he was fully aware. Obviously, you know, you're, you're playing for your, your World Cup life, so that's motivation enough. But if you're a junior desk, I'm pretty sure you knew that not only does a win make, keep you alive in the tournament, it also sets up a potential round of 16 match with the Netherlands. And that's what we have. We have the U.S. against the Netherlands. Uh, the Serginio Des Derby. <laughs> Serginio Des goes up against the, the, the team that he said thank you, but no thank you to. Um, choosing to play for the United States, he had that opportunity. And, and to be fair to him, I mean, if he had chosen, let's say hypothetically, he had chosen to play for the Netherlands, I mean, would he even be on their World Cup team? Um, that's that's the interesting question, right? Um, it's not a guarantee. So, and again, in theory, that really shouldn't be what makes the makes the decision for you. I, I still think it came down to. The ties that he had had made in the youth national team ranks with the U.S. and the fact that the U.S. was the program that actually believed in him, believed in him before anybody, and gave him an opportunity before anybody, because he was in the U17s for the for the United States before the Dutch even had an inkling about him, and before the Dutch were ever interested in him. So I think he appreciated that. He obviously played in U17 World Cup, U20 World Cup develops those relationships with the American players. And then when it came down to it, once he blossomed at Ajax and all of a sudden the Dutch national team got interested, he did not forget 
who was there in the beginning for him. And he chose the U.S. And now here we are, kind of a full circle moment. Serginho Dest going up against the Dutch Dutch national team. And you know he wants to win that game. You know he wants to beat the Dutch. I can't wait to play the next match because it's going to be a pretty fun one, you know, playing against the country I was born in. Uh, but, yeah, I have full confidence. Yeah, I know almost every single guy over there, you know. Um, yeah, it's going to be fun, you know, because, of course, you know, I'm born there, so I speak the language, I know all these guys. And they want to go through, but we have the same dream, you know, so it's going to be a fight again. As much as advancing to the group stage was one of the main goals of this team, it was arguably the most important. The most important was to get out of the group stage because fall, falling short of that would have been devastating for a team with this much talent and this much, uh, this many expectations. So the fact that they got that done, that's a big hurdle. But now here you go with an opportunity now. As much as the draw against England uh, gave you gave you credibility, as much as the draw against England gave you respect, a win over the Dutch in the knockout round, this Dutch team, this quality Dutch team coached by a legend in Louis van Gaal, you beat them. And there are no questions. There are no. There is no denying it that this U.S. team actually is as as good as advertised and as special as we thought it could be. I mean, you get that golden generation label, and sometimes not everyone can carry that, right? Not we've seen it before. We've seen teams that have this label fall apart or never ever meet expectations. And if the U.S. beats the Dutch, that all of a sudden changes the formula a uh, huge opportunity for us it's going to be uh you know an amazing game i think you know we've obviously played against good competition here like like england netherlands could be another favorite to, to win the world cup you know they've done really well how they navigated through their through their group phase of uh, the tournament so far some amazing players um we're gonna have to be ready for that game but i think right now um you know we enjoy this moment uh, you know have some downtime to, to relax and recover now mentally focus um but the coaches will come up with a game plan it's time for us to execute the bigger picture is to, is to make it as far as we can in, in the tournament and and possibly play in the final. So, you know, I think uh, this win was, was really good for us. And also, you know, having a win where we had to suffer um, a lot because, you know, in the next game when we play against Netherlands, it, it probably might take the same thing. And uh, and I think, you know, whenever it comes down to, to game time against Netherlands, we can all have that uh, look back of what it took to get here, um, not just, you know, the past four years, but the last game, um, this game against Iran, or Iran, sorry. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm trying to be blown up uh, uh, in the media for it. Um, so, yeah, no, we'll definitely look back and, and see what it took and, and remember it and uh, use it as fuel for the next game. Now, the U.S. plays the Netherlands on Saturday at Khalifa Stadium in Doha, and uh, that's it's going to be a good one. Cannot wait for it. And obviously, if they manage to win that game, in theory, they could be playing Argentina in the quarterfinals. Not to get too, ahead of our, uh, too far ahead of ourselves, right? I mean, one step at a time. But that that's going to be a, a, a great one. And I will have an episode before the match to preview it for you. It will be dropping on Friday. Uh, I know uh, I've gotten into a rhythm of dropping the, the preview episodes the morning of the game. Uh, I know that's not a lot of turnaround time. Obviously, the game is earlier on Saturday. Uh, the US, All three of the U.S. group stage matches were at 10 p.m. local time here in Qatar, which is basically 2 p.m. Eastern. And this time around, it's going to be earlier at 6 p.m. local time so you're talking 10 a.m. on Saturday morning you get to watch knockout round world cup action 
with your breakfast on Saturday. So uh, I'll make sure to have the, the preview episode of the SBI show on Friday. Look out for it. Uh, hopefully it's ready to go Friday morning. This episode, if you're listening to it, is dropping on Thursday morning uh, just to catch it up for you. Again, apologies for not getting it out on Wednesday. I wasn't able to do it, but here we are. We'll able to, we're able to catch up and hear from those players uh, who contributed to that big, big win against Iran. And I just got to say, people, enjoy, if you're a U.S. fan, and you're listening to this, enjoy the victory, please. Enjoy the victory and and stop with the nitpicking. And I know some people will say, listen, I'm a critical fan. I, like, I, I expect better. And that's fine. You can want that. You can want more from your, from your team. You can want better from your team. You can want more from Greg Berhalter. You could want him to do things differently. It's all well and good. But at a certain point, you got to give the team credit. You've got to give Berhalter credit because you know what? You could be in a different situation right now. You could be a Mexico fan, right? The Mexico national team is done. They're eliminated. They're out of the World Cup. And uh, I still remember plenty of people uh, not too long ago who were who who insisted that Tata Martino would have been a better hire than Greg Berhalter. And I don't think that aged too well. So it's, you know, not to sit here and act like Greg Berhalter is, uh, you know, Pep Guardiola or Sir Alex Ferguson or what have you. Are there things that he could be doing better or ha- or things he could have done better in the group stage? Sure. Could he have made some substitutions earlier? Yes. Were there some personnel decisions that he could have gone the other way on? Absolutely. But in terms of the body of work so far in the group stage, you can't argue with the results. You can't argue with the fact that the team has played well and that he has set them up in a system and in, in game plans that have worked well. And game management, yes, you know, you could have some questions about the game, game management, sure. But in terms of the overall results, it's hard to argue with the fact that this team is playing well and responding. And it is very much a cop out to just say the team is winning in spite of their coach. That's not how it works, folks. He's setting them up. They are winning they are, or they are responding undefeated. One goal allowed in three matches. They're in the knockout rounds. I think it might be time to give Greg Berhalter a little respect, a little credit, a little credit. And what's interesting to me is, I mean, you hear the players, the players give him credit. The players left and right. Oh, you know, we got the game plan. We always have the right game plan. We are always prepared. I mean, the players don't have to say these things. And you could say, oh, what are they supposed to say? Are they going to, you know, like they don't have to say anything. They don't have to say anything positive, but they do. Tyler Adams can't stop gushing about, Greg Berhalter's tactical uh, approach and his tactical preparation. Yunus Musa, uh, after the Iran win, couldn't stop going on about it. So, I mean, at a certain point, if the players are buying in, if the players believe, if the players feel like they're prepared, and if the players look prepared, then maybe they're prepared for a reason. It's not that they magically huddled up on their own and said, listen, forget whatever the coach is saying. We're going to do what we're going to do. This is not, that's not reality, folks. They're in this position they're playing well, and they're doing it because they've been set up to do that. They have the talent. This group obviously has the talent. And if you want to say this is the minimum, they, they should be in the round of 16, yes, of course. They have the talent to be in the round of 16. But you still need a coach to line them up, set them up, and and have them ready to succeed. And I feel like at least to this point, Berhalter's done that. And it, it, what's kind of funny to me is when you look at Mexico, and obviously, you can just say, oh, you know, a bad tournament and, you know, this and that about Tata. But, I mean, it's, I mean, look at the Mexican program in general. They miss, they miss out the knock, on the knockout rounds in the first time in, I don't know, six World Cups, seven World Cups. They 
have not qualified for the Olympics. They have not qualified for the International World Cup. They didn't win the CONCACAF Champions League for the first time in who knows how long. The Seattle Sounders won the CONCACAF Champions League. First MLS team to do it in the Champions League era in CONCACAF. So you name it, it's gone wrong. The U.S. Uh, beat Mexico and qualifying at home again, to an, another dos a cero. They beat them in the Nations League final. So it hasn't been a good time for the Mexican program. Everything that could go, everything that you could possibly go wrong with the Mexican program has gone wrong in, in this cycle. In the meantime, the U.S. wins Nations League, wins the Gold Cup, qualifies for the World Cup, knockout rounds now, out of the group stage, undefeated, one goal allowed. I mean, that's a pretty damn good body of work right there. And I know some people say, oh, in qualifying, it was a struggle. It's always a struggle. And, the, and yes, the U.S. finished third in qualifying. But guess what? No, it doesn't matter where you finish. It doesn't matter if you finish first in qualifying or third in qualifying. What matters is that you qualify. And I'll tell you what, folks, I don't, even, I don't think enough people talk about it. If you look back in the history of CONCACAF qualifying and the teams that have qualified and the teams that have finished first in qualifying in CONCACAF, they don't do so well in the World Cup. It's funny how that works, but it's the reality. And actually, the U.S., when they've had cycles, when they've had great qualifying rounds, they haven't necessarily gone on and done well. The 06 World Cup qualifying campaign, the U.S. dominated CONCACAF qualifying. Dominated. And guess what happened when they got to Germany? They got waxed. Czech Republic, waxed. Italy, tie, draw. I mean, you drew, you drew the world champions. And then Ghana, loss. And then you look at 2002, they struggled to qualify in 2002 for the 2002 qualifying cycle. Struggled. It came down to the end, beating Jamaica uh, after 9-11, the last, the, the last round they got in, they squeezed in. And guess what happened in 2002? Run to the quarterfinals. And now you look at this World Cup, Canada, Canada had an outstanding World Cup qualifying cycle. Everything went right for Canada. They were healthy. Their talent came together. John Herdman did an excellent job putting, putting that group together, keeping them in rhythm. They, they, their stars played almost all of their matches, and they had an excellent qualifying cycle. They finished first, deservedly so. But did that mean they're the best team in CONCACAF? No. It just means they had the best qualifying round. And guess what happens? They come here to Qatar, and it hasn't been a good time for the Canadian team. Loss, loss, loss. They're out. They're done. So I, I just want to put, try to put this all in perspective because I just think we're almost, it almost feels like there's a lot of people taking things for granted here. And let's not forget now, it wasn't too long ago when the sky was falling. It wasn't too long ago when the U.S. didn't even qualify for the World Cup and everything was wrong with the world. Things are pretty good right now. So maybe enjoy that. Maybe, you know, take a moment to smell the roses and look at this team that is fun to watch, that is young and exciting and is only going to get better. But instead, people are more concerned with being right about their concerns and right about how they feel about certain things, specifically the coach, because clearly there are a lot of people who just refuse to give Greg Berhalter credit and think he's a terrible coach and think he is holding the team back. And you know what? It's all well and good to have the opinion. But at a certain point, ignoring results is just you're just in denial at a certain point. You're just in denial. And ask yourself, are you a fan of the team? Or are you more of a fan of your own opinions? And that's what it feels like for some people. Not for everybody. Some people are enjoying it. Some people are, are enjoying the ride and enjoyed the, the group stage, enjoyed being able to say the U.S. outplayed England. I mean, that's, that's a nice feather in the cap. 
And, and I, you know, I've got some friends who did not see that coming. And for one, Poppy Miller, my, my co-worker at CBS Sports, she's British, she, and she just knew that England was going to tear apart the U.S. And guess what? Didn't happen. So maybe just enjoy this so far. And, and look, could the Dutch go out, go out there and, and pummel the United States on Saturday? Possible. But if you've seen how this team has played, I think they're going to bring it to the Dutch. I don't know if they're going to beat the Dutch. I'm not ready to sit here and say they're going to win that game, but they, I don't think they're going to roll over. I don't, think we've, I don't think I've seen anything from any of these games to suggest that they're going to go in that game and just get completely overwhelmed. Could they lose? Yes. The Dutch are unbelievable. Look at the talent they have. Look at the players on the Dutch bench that would start for 95% of the teams in this World Cup. Uh, Delict can't get off the bench. I mean, Delict was started center back for, ni- like, I mean, I can't imagine many teams that he doesn't start for in this World Cup. He's not starting for the Dutch. Uh, Memphis Depay, he's not starting every match for the Dutch. They've got crazy quality. Frankie de Jong, Gakpo, Van Dyke, Denzel Dumfries. I mean, uh, Coop Miners. They, they've got quality everywhere. And it's not going to be easy. But this U.S. team, I believe, is up for the challenge. And I think they're going to deliver a good performance, a performance to be proud of. And if they play well, if they lose, but they play well and show that this team is legitimate and can play at this level... I think you have to look at this World Cup and call it a success. But you got one match, at least one match to go. So we'll see on Saturday. But I think that's it for now. Um, We will have one more episode. We'll have one more preview episode on Friday. So definitely look out for that. Uh, just to get you ready. And obviously, you know, it's uh, we're in Qatar. We're going to be hearing from Christian Pulisic and Tim Way on Thursday. And uh, Friday, we'll hear from Greg Berhalter and Tyler Adams as well. So look out for that in the preview episode that will drop on Friday. And as always, make sure you check out SBI for all our preview coverage. Uh, We'll be doing lineup projections. We'll break down the top matchups to watch in the game as well. And we'll have some insight on some individual players as well. So make sure you check out all that coverage. And I'll also have some video content coming as well to preview the big round of 16 match. And as always, thank you all for listening. Thank you for subscribing. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to SBISoccer.com. Uh, whatever level you can afford and feel like you would like to to contribute. We definitely are trying to keep ramping up the coverage uh, throughout the World Cup and beyond because it's not going to stop. Once the World Cup's over, part of my plan is to help rebuild our staff because we need, we need to add to our staff. And uh, if you're listening and you're an aspiring writer or you want to contribute, you want to be in soccer media, there's be- there, there aren't many better places to, to come and develop then SBI soccer. So, Hey, if you're listening and you're looking for a place to write, we could be the place for you, but, uh, but that's it for now. And thank you for listening. Look out for the next episode on Friday. I'm Ivan Scalarset. This is the SBI show.